on my pillow that won't dry on the road beyond my ears. I've no sorrow, but today I don't walk alone. to the Fortress Big Book Study Group Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speakers Step Series. Um, thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment, get situated. Please turn off all devices that make, might make noise or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. Now I'm going to lead with the fog light prayer. God, God, 
Let your light shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree upon and which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news the book carries to those who still suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Kathleen to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in the book, which upon careful reading shows that personality changes change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personal changes or religious experiences may must be the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, the conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by the vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they have presently identified with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most sympathetically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle above there is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. <clears throat> this week we have uh, Doc. He's doing a traditions step series. Um, it's different and very informational. And uh, last week was amazing. And uh, this week we're on two. Mm-hmm. So with that, I mean, I'll give you Doc. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Doc Alcoholic. (laughs) Thank God they wrote it down on both, right? 
So we talked about tradition one last week, and we talked more about the spiritual side than we did about the the physical political side, right? What it means to a group. I'm I'm talking mostly, and I'm going to do that in this whole series. I'm going to talk mostly about what it means to us as individuals rather than what it means to the group uh, politically. Uh, however, you cannot get away from the way the groups work. On tradition two. It takes us into a different universe. Wait a minute, I've got to do this. Uh, Morty. A different universe. It takes us into the universe of the uh, concepts. The what? The concepts. What are those? Those are the other 12 things you should have been studying that you haven't been. Not me, I studied them. Where are they then? Where are they printed? Where are they? They're not. They're in the service manual. That's right. I'm looking over here because I know they'll know. Over here, they don't know. They don't even know what the freaking concepts are. And I always joke because they said, like, I used to use just the word concepts to confuse people at intergroup meetings. You know, when I didn't agree with something, I'd go, excuse me, I think that's against concept three. They go, ooh, really? Oh, well, then we better table that for next week. Yeah, good. Right? Nobody, nobody knew. Nobody cared. They just thought it was important. And that if I, nobody wants to let somebody else know that they don't know what they think you know. So bluffing is easy at intergroups, right? Once in a while, you get someone that goes, really? What does concept three say? But the concepts are based primarily on tradition two. On, on how God communicates with us through the group conscience, right? Uh, tradition two, for our group purpose, which would be, again, we break down group, uh, is a community of AAs, right? Of like-minded AAs. We are all people that have uh, quit the debating society by now, right? There is or there isn't a God, We've all joined up with, we have a common solution to the problem of alcoholism. We're not trying to do, uh, I'm going to do, man, I know we do it, but that's not what the group is called, right? We we, we do it, but I'm not going to say we shouldn't, but the group is the common, right? I know there are fringe people that go, look, I'm doing therapy, I'm doing you know, this hot bicycle therapy and I'm doing this other stuff and, and you know, I'm going to a shaman and he's, you know, got me in a sweat lodge and, and I'm doing, which I did all this stuff, by the way, and, and I go to my meetings. So, yeah, that's all great, but, like, I suggest, you know, one solution at a time. And so we're all here in the group because we agree on that common solution. And, and, and just so I'm clear, there's no tradition that says, and you're not allowed if you're doing other, trying other solutions at the same time. It, 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 it's, it, we don't say that. It's probably not the best idea, but we don't say that. So a group is a bunch of you and me. The group is made up, I've got a note here, a group of ma- is, is made up of others with the same goal of step six, right, which is Sincerely trying to grow in the image and likeness of our own creator. So it's, it's pretty much that simple. So if we're all together doing that, that's the group. So for our group purpose, all of us who are trying to grow in the image and likeness of our own creator, there is but one ultimate authority. Makes perfect sense. 
a loving God, not a vengeful God, very nicely put, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. And it goes on to say our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Right? And then we always say, thank God for that, right? But it says clearly, it says, how do we know what God's messages through our conscience who who speaks the conscience of god among among everybody and it gives two nice little stories here and uh um and then it leaves out a whole bunch that's actually in the concepts later right um we we determined last week that there are basically no rules we just have traditions which Traditions mean there's no punishment if you don't follow them, but we follow them because they are wise, right? And we have to understand that that wisdom is not just good thinking. It is the result of knowledge being transformed into understanding, being transformed into wisdom, right? Wheat in the field, separated from the chaff, ground into flour that can be made into lots of things. So wisdom doesn't just happen on people. It's a, it's a progressive, it's a result of progressiveness, right? And from that wisdom, within our group, God makes himself known. Um, if you wonder, all right, so it says in, in, in tradition one that we basically have no rules and we don't tell anybody what they can do and what they can't do and what they can believe or what they can't believe. We don't set any of that up. Unlike church, right, that says here are the rules. I love, I love especially, oh, I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't care. Especially, you know, Christian, hypocristian churches. I love those because you go in and they go, okay, now you're all free from the law, but here are all our rules. And you go, wait a minute, I thought you just said there's no law, this is all grace. Yeah, that, that's true. But we have all these rules, right? And your, your hair has to be this length and you have to wear that and you can't. Wait a minute, what do you, you know? Understand what, they, they, they have knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. You know, and I think that's why a lot of alcoholics go, I'm done with church until they get sober. And then they start seeing the, the root that's good underneath all that. Right? Because it's hard to see through all the spiritual flack. Right? And then after we're sober for a while, and, and tradition too explains why that is. And why we grow in this, in, into wisdom where we can see wisdom where we couldn't see it before. And that's why it says in the big book, be quick to see where religious people are right. And just forget all the flack. All the flack is just going to make you confused. Right? So just because... Your rabbi, your pastor, your, your uh, uh, help me, uh, mommy, no, what's, a, what's, e- e- imam, thank you very much, it, you know, says it doesn't mean that it's wisdom, right? It may or may not be wisdom. And that's the thing in, in our group. Just because your sponsor says it doesn't necessarily mean it's wisdom. It may or may not be wisdom. And we tend to, you know, because this is a life and death thing, we take our sponsors and we go, boom, you go right up there. And to the sponsor, we're like, no, 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 no. You know, I got my own guy up here, right? And, and it, we got to be really careful of that on both sides. I like this, this group because it mentions the responsibilities of being a, a sponsor. You know, you're not a life coach. God, I 
remember wearing myself out trying to be a life coach. You know, it just absolutely drained me of everything I had because they just absolutely wouldn't do anything. <laughs> it was just mind-numbingly ridiculous. And then it was finally God that says, you know, you, you've, you've run on that, that hamster wheel enough, and now what you need to do is just lead by example. So when we look to say there's one ultimate authority, we got to look back into, in, into the big book and find out where, it, where it's saying this stuff, right? Um, it talks about God consciousness. It talks about, I mean, we just read it. Kathleen just read it, right? The more religious of us call it God consciousness. Um, we know on page 133, the only place in the big book where I can find that it says we're sh- what, what we are absolutely certain what God's will is. I can't find it anywhere else in either book that says, here's God's will, now follow that. I found it where it says, we must daily, right, ask, pray daily, thy will be done, not mine, constantly. But it doesn't say what the will is except on page 133, which is beautifully put as, we are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. That's great, right? There's our ultimate authority. Okay. So now we've got leaders, but who are our leaders in AA? It's already said in the first thing that you shouldn't be, in the first tradition, you shouldn't be the struggle for wealth, power, and prestige was tearing humanity apart. And so we're not going to do that. Um, And that's where this bleeds into the tradition or into the concepts um, that we, we don't try to work our way to the top because the concepts, oddly enough, explain how the machinery of AA works, right? The parts that we don't see in the group, how, the, how AA as a whole functions, and it functions as a true, pure democracy, right? Which is crazy. So it is this triangle inverted. And all of us in the concepts, all 12 concepts are based on tradition too. And they are, they're all about making all of you and me the highest members of AA. That we are as high as you can get, the recovered members of AA. Below us are those that serve. And they serve us. And below that, in prestige, right, importance, are the representatives of those servants. And below that are the representatives of world service that work for us. So if you want to struggle your way to the top in AA, you're already there. You start there. It's a democracy. Everything we decide, we decide what world services does. It's beautiful. We have a direct link to world services. All we have to do if we have any sort of, of, of feeling about something, it filters right down to the bottom. Now, from there, the workers that are not AA members, it goes into a corporate ladder, which is the, the, the uh, triangle uh, normal way, right? You got like the CEO, and under that you got presidents and vice presidents and all that, just like a normal normal. Uh, uh, corporation. But our side is not, right? 
The mo- who's in charge? We are all in charge. It's a true and pure democracy. Uh, that's why um, when Bill Wilson wrote the uh, concepts, he also mentions uh, Torqueville's book, Democracy in America, uh, which was really, it's, it's about a thousand pages, two volumes, about 1,100 pages. Um, and it's, it's fascinating reading. And, and I never thought like historical textbooks would interest me, but this is what the French Revolution was based on. They, they, they sent a representative, Torqueville, to, to observe how America was being formed. And all this, and, and he wrote it all down, both the good and the bad of how America was set up. And so part of it is set up, explains tradition too, right? Let's, 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 let's take a couple quotes off the pages, right? Um, it says that uh, no AA can give another AA a directive or can enforce obedience. Uh, and then our friends gasp and claim, this surely can't be. There must be an angle somewhere. These practical folk then read Tradition 2 and learn that the sole authority in AA is a loving God as he may express himself in the group conscience. They dubiously ask an experienced AA member if this really works. Right? Do you really hear God in your meetings? First of all, if you've never gone to an intergroup meeting, you are missing the circus of the stars, man. It is awesome, right? Everybody starts out usually all loving and sweet, and within an hour, they're screaming. And you, it, it really shows the flaws in the diamonds, man. It really lets all that, that stuff that, that, that Step 7 in the 12 and 12 says, right? Conflicts that exist below the level of consciousness that persist, that we don't see. They're going on back here, right? Down here. We don't see them. And, and, and I was talking to a friend last night about, about if someone gets under your skin, she was mentioning that somebody she couldn't see on a Zoom meeting, right? They didn't have their, they didn't have a picture. It was just blank. They didn't even put a blank picture up there. It was just a voice. And within 17 seconds, he said something that got under her skin, stabbed her, pissed her off, and it was still bothering her days later. And she knew she shouldn't be upset about it, right? Which I was explaining is a blessing. It's a beautiful thing to have God point out your, quote, button or a chink in your armor where somebody can just zap you without even your knowledge. And, and we talked about it for a while. Certainly this person didn't know he did it. He didn't do it on purpose because he didn't know her either. But amazingly, right, that God shows us where this stuff comes up. And, and, and the inner group will do that too. So we have to remember that they are not, you know, 12 apostles meeting and quietly sopping bread in oil and praising God as the, the, the great authority of AA. It's people that get all caught up in the flesh, man. You know, because, hey, that stuff is fine for meetings, but we're here at Intergroup, and I got to talk about the physical world, man, and this is how it is. So, so, you know, it comes out like that, 
And yet, we see, um, I got notes on, on consentia and stuff that's just going to be too deep and too boring. Uh, but, but what we have to do, what, what, what this tradition informs us to do is not only trust God, but to trust others that speak for God. And you know, the, the beautiful thing is that, is that I've had God talk to me through the brilliant and wise and through the dull and ignorant. You know, I've had some of the just simplest people say something simple and it fucking rings so true that it's like, wow, you know, that was God speaking through you. I have a friend that I didn't even know he stayed sober, and now I think he's got 15 years or something. And he just, he didn't talk much and say things much, and then he finally goes, he was at a small big book study I was doing with just about five people. And he goes, so I guess it comes down to either you believe what's in this book or you don't. And that was it, and I went, oh man, yeah, that's about everything right there. You know, probably 90% of the problems that people go, well, I don't know. Either you believe this or you don't believe it. It's not a cafeteria, right? You can't go, well, page 78 I'm not too hip on, but page 82 I'm down with. You know, it's, it's a whole or nothing thing. On page 68, it says, uh, faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. Right? That's a tough thing for us. You know, we didn't have trust. We didn't even know what trust meant. I think to most of us, trust means to control people. Oh, no, that can't be true. Yeah, and I'll give you a great example. Um, so I, 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 my friend Chris says I do parables, but I make myself the... the <laughs> <laughs> the main character, the protagonist in the parables. Um, so I could say, imagine this guy that uh, he says to his buddy, all right, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. He says to his partner, all right, his girlfriend, I got to go out of town for three days, but this box has to be posted today. It, you can't fail. Yes, I'll do it. Please do it, because if you fail, I'm going to be in trouble. you got to post this today. i got to go out of town for three days. Can I trust you? She says, absolutely, you can trust me. Trust you completely, yes. And he goes three days, and he comes home. It's still not mailed, right? And, of course, he loses his mind. I thought you said I could trust you. Well, I did say that, but things came up, and I didn't get to do it. But you said you would, and I trusted you. Well, I can't trust you anymore, apparently. I'm not going to ask you to do anything again, because if you say you will, I just don't have any trust in you. And that's how we looked at it. And if I, if I substitute the word control for trust in that example, it's perfect. I go, can I control you to mail this while I'm gone? Yes, you can. Are you sure I'm controlling you? Yes. I have you under complete control to mail this, right? I, I don't have to think of it. No, yes, you have me under control. And I come back and it's still not mailed. I thought you said I controlled you. I thought you said that I had control of you mailing. Well, I can't, I can't control you anymore. That's it. I'm not going to try to control you anymore. That's it. I'm just going to ignore you. 
right? And I suggest a whole new concept for the definition of trust to be love. Because love and tolerance, that's our code, right? That's our code of ethics. My buddy and I have uh, I've shared codes that, that different organizations have shared with me that go back to, you know, like the 12th century, right? Codes of chivalry and, and so forth. And they're wonderful codes. But we have a code in AA, and it's simple. Love and tolerance, right? And, and the love part, imagine that I say, uh, will you mail this? Yeah, because I love you. Can I love you? Yeah, sure you can love me. Because I love you, will you mail this for me? Yeah, because I love you. Okay. And I come back, and it's not mail. And I go, well, I guess I can't love you anymore. I'll never love you again. Because you said this, this mailing of this package reflects whether you love me back or not, so I'm not going to love you. Right? So now it brings a whole new attitude towards trust where I, I, I cannot manipulate, I cannot live my life thinking I can control you. As a recovered alcoholic, that, that idea is gone. My trust in you is that I love you as a human being. And I want to see you develop or unfold to your full potential, right? Develop. And so now, if we take it to the extreme, if I come home and my partner is in those three days in, 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 in a sexual situation with someone else, of course, that whole trust thing, that trust bubble pops, right? If I'm thinking in terms of controlling that my trust was, hey, we had an agreement, you know, that you weren't going to be with anybody else and I wasn't, and that's the agreement. Well, that's, that's not love. I know it's really hard to swallow that. But if you love somebody, you go, hey, if you don't want to be with me, that's okay. But it doesn't mean I won't feel sad. It doesn't mean I won't have feelings about this, but it's not about trust. Because you lied to me, it's not about trust. My understanding as a recovered alcoholic, trust becomes love. Love and tolerance. And I'm being forgiven, so I have to forgive in the same manner. Right? And, and I am not, I stand on my own two feet, right? That's what the book says. We don't, we don't grovel, right? Or scrape. So I'm not going to allow this behavior in our relationship. So since you did this, our relationship is over. But it doesn't mean that I don't love you. The Bible gives this great story in the Old Testament. It was, uh, I think it was Gomer, right? Gomer was the wife. This guy had this really hot wife, hot young wife. And everybody was like, dude, that hot wife is too hot for you. And he was like, no, but we love each other, right? And she was like eyeballing everybody around behind his back and everything. And eventually... Since he's a hard-working guy, she starts slipping away and partying with other guys around the village, right? And pretty soon, she just, you know, gives him the double finger and takes off. And she's off, hot, young, partying, and he never sees her again. And he considers it abandonment. The elders say it's a divorce. Years go by, and this raggedy old prostitute is sitting in the dirt in the town square, and it's her, right? And instead of going up to her 
and spitting on her and going, you know, F you, you got what you deserved. He says, are you ready to come home? Right? Are you ready to come home? That's it. Now, that's, that's a story I, I, I aspire to, right? I'm not that guy yet. I don't know. I'm, well, I kind of know. <laughs> I kind of know. And so far, the answer is just like, let's look the other way and keep going, right? I didn't see it. I don't remember it. I, I, I'm incapable of addressing the situation. And I got chills right now. But I wish I, I wish I, I hope someday I am that guy. I hope someday, just like your child. If your child goes off and gets drunk and high and boozy, and, and loaded and, and, you know, is behind the 7-Eleven doing what you do for a rock. And then, uh, and you're just, you, there's, you know, does the love go away? I don't know. With some parents, I can tell you as a parent, it would never go away. And it didn't. My daughter's in recovery. It didn't go away. In fact, our, our relationship got better. We were, we were close through all of her using but it got better because she found out that I, I, I didn't think less of her, right? Because when she was done, I said, are you ready to come home? I said, yeah, right? That's what I want to do. So, so what does that have to do with this? Once we can get trust in our lives, because we couldn't trust others, certainly, right? You were all lying. You were all out to get me, just like it says here in the, in the 12 and 12. It's got to be an angle, Right? It's got to be a hook. Everybody wants something. I couldn't trust you. I couldn't trust myself. Because every time I, I, I said, I'm going to moderate, <laughs> I went crazy. If I didn't say anything, I'd just use and drink. But it, the day I said, okay, I'm holding back, it was like a slingshot, you know? Then, and, and And I ended up like, Fred, <laughs> right? Three days later in the back of a taxi cab in New York. Going, but I live in Denver. Shit, how'd I get here? <laughs> right? So how could we trust God? There's no way to trust God. You know, I don't even know God yet. It says in the big book, when we start, you know, we got to be careful with our prayer and meditation because we are inexperienced in using it. Right? So what do we do? We go to elders to find out. Well, who are the elders? Right? Let me read what it says here. Right? They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Right? Because God's who's telling me what to do. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. Right? And like Paul said, look for the fruit of the Spirit. That's a great analogy. I don't care who said it. I don't care if it was Paul. It used to be totally anti-Paulsian until I realized that like the, uh, I got, I opened my mind a little more and found out that like Paul is like the, the postgraduate course in what Jesus was teaching. It's awesome. And I go, oh, because I used to have the same disdain for Paul that Peter had, right? You weren't even here, man. <laughs> right? You, you joined after he died. What, what's with you, man? Yeah, but I saw him. But that don't count. That was a vision. We were like with him, you know. And I was, I used to say like, yeah, I'll read the Bible, but only the red part, <laughs> right? Only the Jesus words. And people ask me what, what my religion was. I said I was a Jesician. <laughs> I thought that was good. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. 
we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. How do you direct your attention? Again, meditation, meditation, meditation. That's all meditation is, is focusing your attention. It's getting your attention from this to this, right? Like a laser beam. And it's going like this, and we can't, and the more we do it, the better it gets, right? Until it's, and then we know where our attention is. That's what it's all about. We focus our attention. It says right here. This is page 68, if you're wondering, in the big book. Direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once we commence to outgrow fear. Wow. That's great. So it says here. Okay, so so they go, nobody, nobody in our group is a CEO. There are no presidents. There are no vice presidents. A chairperson does not have any authority. He only ha- he has responsibility. I might add that even in a uh, Zoom meeting, we might want to use a little authority or a little responsibility, rather, uh, in running our Zoom meetings, right? We here have started asking, please, if you're going to attend, to actually attend. doesn't change the way I present anything online. But it certainly uh, changes the way you feel after a meeting. If you're laying in bed, half-dressed, and listening, you're not attending a meeting. If you get your sorry alcoholic ass out of bed, take a shower, get dressed, sit down at a table, and open the laptop or set up your phone, and attend, you're going to get something. You're going to get the God thing that we want from these meetings. And when there are, 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 are Zoom bombers... I, I had to talk to a sponsee about that. He was quite upset <laughs> about, you know, dick flashes and stuff like that in, on the Zoom meetings. And they go, it's like the old little river down on 79th Street, that's all. Every once in a while, I'd be up there, you know, it's like a big warehouse, and there was always prostitutes. In fact, I, I had my, my uh, sunroof open in a Jaguar and pulled up at the light coming to the meeting at the, at the old uh, 79th Street place. And, and a pimp told the, the prostitute to get out of the car and give me a couple cards. Right? I mean, that, that was 70. She goes, here you go. Here's some cards. Okay, great. Thank you. You know, that's drumming up business, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that grassroots kind of approach to any business, right? I'm down with that. You know, I'm not in the market for a prostitute right now, but, you know, maybe I know somebody who is, so I got their card. But but that's how it was. We'd have drunks and junkies and cops and prostitutes and pimps. Everybody walked by while we're talking, while we're doing a meeting. And once in a while, they would wander in. And sometimes they'd wander right in and do a dick flash, you know? They'd come in and they'd they'd try to disrupt the meeting. And then they were either nicely escorted out or they were sat down in the meeting or they left on their own accord, but it didn't last long. So Zoom bombing has no effect on us, right? And all we have to do is say, hey, and that, that's the God consciousness even in that little meeting is that we all go, hey, don't lose our focus of attention, right? That's God directing us. That's the God consciousness right there. And I'll tell you a little story. How much time do I have? I'm not running out of time, am I? No, not too bad. 20 minutes, okay. I was in uh, Little River 
and I went to get a coffee, and this woman's working the coffee bar, middle-aged woman, you know, and I always like to, I always like to picture the women who look like they're high school teachers now, you know, they're, they're, you know, late 40s, early 50s, and, and you look at them and you go, really? You used to throw up in, <laughs> on the dance floor? Really? You just seem like somebody's mom, you know, you're so nice, you know, I like to try to visualize what they're like. And she goes, you don't remember me, do you? I go, well, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I meet a lot of people, you know. And she says, well, about three years ago, I was really drunk. And I said, this is it. I'm, I'm sucking on a gun and putting a bullet in my head. I'm done with this shit. She said, I cannot live any longer, and I hate AA. Because it let me down, and I they, I tried it once. It didn't connect, and nobody cares, and my church don't care, and my family hates me. And she said, I got slammed, and I walked into the Little River, and you were talking. And she said, you nicely and lovingly asked me to have a seat, and I did, and I heard what you said. So I stayed sober and came back the next day. And even though you weren't there, somebody else had something to say, and I listened to them. And she said, pretty soon I had a week and you were back. And she said, now I have three years and I'm working the coffee bar here at Little River. Well, I can tell you, I have never politely and softly, kindly asked a belligerent drunk to have a seat at a meeting. You know, I'm just not that guy. I gently but firmly, you know, I I don't remember, but I know for a fact, I do it all the time where I go, come in, sit down, shut up. Listen, and then you can tell me everything you got to share after the meeting. And they go, okay. But see, what she heard was was the God consciousness, right? She was expecting to be thrown out. It was she was going to kill herself. She said, "Man, that's when 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 that happens to you, you'll never forget it." When someone says, "You know, you saved my life," really, you don't even know. You don't even know. And, and, and see, she heard God that said, have a seat. You're welcome here. Because she was expecting to get thrown out, right? And I didn't say that. I told her, sit down <laughs> and shut up. Be quiet. I don't know how I put it, but, you know, I wasn't rude, but I was firm, no doubt. It's a drunk. And go, just hold that thought, and I'll be with you right after the meeting. But that's not what she heard. Again, the God consciousness. So it says, you know, we are, are, are the committee, right? Our, our, our group that forms committees, they are servants. They are servants, right? There may be a chairman, public relations, a treasurer. All these people are accountable, a secretary, etc. On page 134 of the 12 and 12. This committee gives no spiritual advice, judges no one's conduct, issues no orders. And I have a note here. Sponsors often forget this. It might be a good idea to take that into our sponsorship. Or as I like to say, mentorship with our protégés. Protégé is used in the 12 and 12, so we're allowed to use it. And the opposite of a protégé is a mentor. Right? And I'm m- much more of a mentor than I am a sponsor. 
I think of a sponsor as like, you know, a, a, a pizza restaurant and a, a softball team, a little league team, you know? I don't freaking support my people, right? I'm a mentor. I show them what I do. I don't give them any advice either. I ask them what they think they ought to do, right? That's Carl Rogers, by the way. But I just ask them, you know, what do you think? So what are you pissed off about? Really? Is that really what you're mad about? So what do you think, where do you think that comes from? I don't give spiritual advice, right? I certainly don't judge people on their conduct. You know, I lovingly tell them, I couldn't love you any less. <laughs> and what I mean is, I love you. That's it. There's no measure of it. It's all. It's whole and it's encompassing. Right? And, and, and just like my parents are my child, it's not going to change with behavior. Now, it may, it may change our relationship. Right? There may be a point that I say, look, I, you know, you're not willing to take suggestions, so I'm not helping much. Look for someone that you're willing to listen to more. Right? But, but I, don't, I, don't lo- I don't love a sponsee more later than I do at the beginning. I may be a lot less emotionally attached because I've buried too many newcomers. Right? But we've we got to get to the best part, page 135. No spiritual advice. Judges no one's conducts, issues no orders, right? Because they can be promptly eliminated. They are really servants, not senators. We take that into our daily life. How nice is that? So let's turn again to the disposed founder and his friends. (coughs) It's not Corona. What becomes, Corona, by the way, means crown. That's right. Do you know that? That's why it's called that, because it has the little crown globules all over it. It's beautiful. You, you hate it less now, don't you? <laughs> right? You hate it less. Mm. All right, Morty. <clears throat> Let's turn again to the deposed founder and his friends. What because of them? Becomes of them. As their grief, right? We have, no, we have no more need for you. You're not the chairperson anymore. I got somebody else, right? By the way, you've been working that coffee bar for too many years, okay? I got somebody else to do it. But it's my meeting. But it's my coffee bar. I started this meeting. What do you mean you found somebody new to run it? This is my meeting. Mike Chase. <laughs> Just kidding. Nobody else would do what Mike Chase does. That's the problem. He does the work of about 10 people. That's true. So I was kidding, right? So they've been disposed, right? Deposed. As their grief and anxiety wear away, a subtle change begins. Ultimately, they divide into two classes known in AA slang as elder statesmen and Bleeding deacons. An elder statesman is one who sees the wisdom of the group's decision, which may, by the way, be completely wrong. And that's what um, the Torqueville book, in fact, I probably have a page you should, you should read in it, in volume one on page... 282, 
in the in the front of the book. <laughs> it, it, it talks about the tyranny of the majority, right? Just because something is voted on and it's the majority, don't make it right, right? I know of a group that that, and it always happens. Somebody new comes into the group and they're all fireball. They're a bleeding deacon. They're a fireball of change. And they start, they get everybody stirred up and then they get a vote. And then they change something in the meeting that has been working for like 20 years, 30 years at that meeting. And they change it. And then they either move to a different group or they relapse and they're gone. It happens all the time, right? Everybody with time goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the group is left there with a change where they go, you know, we want to change back. And then they just slowly, like a plant, right, that's been pulled one way, it slowly just like turns back to the sun. (sighs) Okay, finally. And they get back whatever group tradition they were doing, whether it be uh, the beginning prayer, the ending prayer, or when they give out chips, or whatever it is, right? And that bleeding deacon absolutely has to change it, or everything's going to collapse. It's going to fall in on itself, because I got two years sobriety now, or I got eight months sobriety, or I got whatever it is. Two years is always, that's the explosion of time, you know? (laughs) When you got three years, and I just had two years, and now I got three, and so now I'm on every board. (laughs) so so but the elder statesman is one who sees the wisdom of the group's decision And, and let me say that okay so here's what it says there's a story, I don't have to read it, it's a story in, 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 in Philadelphia, right? And this is a, uh, around 1800, uh, in Philadelphia, and, and, and a guy says, uh, you know, it seems, it seems pretty awful that you don't allow the, the now remember this is 1800, so it was lovingly and respectfully known as a Negro, and we will, we'll, we'll say blacks for my illustration. You don't allow blacks to vote. And, and the, the politician goes, well, you insult me, sir. Of course we do. We're a progressive state. Pennsylvania, my friend. We allow them to vote. And he says, and yet I've not seen one black at the polls voting. And he says that's because they decide not to vote on their own volition. It's their own decision that they don't vote. He goes, well, why don't they vote? Don't they want to? He goes, oh, no, they want to. But the majority of people hate the idea that they have the right to vote, so they scare them away from the polls with violence. And the guy says, and this is the part for us, it's amazing. So the majority can make the laws and break the laws that they made. Right? Amazing. So the majority, just because everybody voted on it and the majority went with it, don't make it right. You know? That doesn't mean that God spoke through the majority. That's the, to, to think that is the same as thinking that uh, uh, combat was God speaking, right? Because it used to be, okay, we'll see. That's what jousting and things were about. We'll see what God has to say. Is it, does he go with this side? Thank you, Lord. Or does he go with that side? Well, we'll see. God will give the victor, will tell us who, who, who is right, right? That righteousness through combat. 
And, and we know now that God probably doesn't talk like that. And we know also that God probably doesn't talk through the majority. Right? So, so, so we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. It says, the elder statesman sees the wisdom of the group's decision. Right? Or the lack of it is what I'm getting at. But, but, he, but he doesn't have to explode into it. He just sees it. He holds no resentment over his reduced status. Who His judgment, fortified by considerable experience, is sound. And he's willing to sit quietly on the sidelines, patiently awaiting developments. And the word development as Daniel Tripp knows, because he set it up, right? It means to unfold to your full potential. So we wait to see what the group decides, because just because the majority voted on it doesn't mean that it has unfolded to its true potential. It doesn't mean that we've seen or heard God's word yet, right? The bleeding deacon, on the other hand, is one who is just as surely convinced, right? He's positive, which means Ambrose Beer said, Positive means being wrong at the top of your lungs. <laughs> the bleeding deacon, who was Ambrose Bierce? The bleeding deacon, he was like a contemporary of Mark Twain. You can look that up, it's awesome. The bleeding deacon is one who just as assuredly convinced that the group cannot get along without him, who constantly connives for re-election to office, who continues to be, we know that guy, right? We know that guy. And we want to stomp the little bug out. But with love and tolerance, baby. Um, who continues to be consumed with self-pity. Right? A few of these, of these bleeding deacons, right? The ones who are always complaining about everybody else and everything else. And they're against this. And they can't believe the meetings do that. And I hate it when this goes on. And that meeting sucks. And this meeting sucks. A few of them hemorrhage so badly. Drained of all AA spirit. Right? What's that spirit? That's the inner light. Right? That's that sunlight of the spirit. And principle. That's all of us being together trying to grow in the image and likeness of our own creator. Right? That's our sole principle. That we are servants. And yet a bleeding deacon loses all that in his fight to be right. Because, and I remember being that guy. Because I, my, my, my banner was people will die if we don't rectify this problem right now. People are dying. And so shut the F up, all of you. I'm right. And see my banner? People will die. Right? But here's what it says. It's great. They hemorrhage so much, drained of all AA spirit and principle, they get drunk. At times the AA landscape seems to be littered with bleeding forms. Nearly every old timer, thank you very much, in our society has gone through this process in some degree. And I would say you can't be an elder statesman if you haven't held the position of bleeding deacon and survived it. Right? Because you have to know one. To, to see one, you have to know one. To be one, you have to be one to know one. Whatever I said. Happily, most of them survive to live to some degree. Uh, to live to become elder statesmen. They become the real and permanent leadership of AA. 
How do you know them? Because you look at their fruits, not at what they say. Right? I got a lot of axioms in my pocket and I'll throw it down and rah, 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 and I can quote the big book and the 12 step. No, you watch to see how they love God and love us. Right? They become the real and permanent leadership of AA. Theirs is the quiet opinion, the sure knowledge, and humble example that resolve a crisis. That's page 135. You might want to read that over several times. When sorely perplexed, the group inevitably turns to them for advice. They, here's the preacher move, they become the voice of the group conscience, i.e. God. In fact, these are the true voice of Alcoholics Anonymous. They don't drive by mandate, they lead by example. What does it say on page 83 about leading by example? Shall we look? Yeah, let's look. What does it say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, uh, we lead by example. The spiritual life is not a theory, we have to live it. We, 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 we should not talk insistently about spiritual matters. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. Right? This is the experience which has led us to the conclusion that our group conscience, well advised by its elders, the true elders, will be in the long run wiser than any single leader. To conclude, uh, Bill tells a story about how he was broke and and it's the same story that my friends give me. They go, hey, you're 30 years in this thing. You've given back enough. You give so much of your time. Like, what I get paid for a lecture is, is you know, enough to, to, to pay the rent, right, on, on one lecture, and, and, and then some. But I do these for fun and for free, and my friends are like, dude, you're a speaker. What are you doing? You've given enough back to them. No, but that's not why we do it, right? And it doesn't matter. Bill's story, it doesn't matter what the details of the story is that he wanted to do this and they said you shouldn't. That all doesn't matter. What matters is, is that he heard the voice of God on the subway that said, go ahead and do it. And then he came home and he saw some drunks because they were living at home. They were living with him and Lois. And there were a couple drunks at the table and they were like, we need food, man. You need to go out and buy some groceries and stuff. And, and they were broke. And his friends intervened and said, Bill, you can't do this. And what he said was, what he said was, so spoke the group conscience. The group was right and I was wrong. The voice on the subway was not the voice of God. See, Bill Wilson was confused at hearing the voice of God. That, that should give you some hope. That when you go, I don't know if it's God's voice or not. Bill Wilson was confused. Here was the true voice, the elders. Welling up out of my friends, I listened and thank God I obeyed. Right? I'll tell you quick, I'm done in, in, in 30 seconds here. Uh, my daughter... When she was about seven, she had played softball and 
her mom and I were always telling, you know, we always had something to do after school because we figured I met her mom at an AA meeting. We got married. She's one of us, right? And so probably our daughter's going to be one of us. So if we just keep her freaking occupied, she'll be fine. And she was until, you know, about senior in high school and then she's gone. Right, one beer and whoo, gone, man. It was great, but but when she was seven, she had been playing softball. She got hit in the face with a softball because she played outfield and she was telling jokes all the time. Right, she's down there going, "Hey, hey, hey, what did the big chimney say to the little chimney? You're too young to smoke." Okay, come on, come on, come on. Right, and she's laughing, and then all of a sudden, here it is, bam, right in the face. So then she tried swimming. Right? And she was the slowest swimmer in the team. I mean by a long shot. She was, if you know who Spike Jones was, she was Ann Beetlebaum. Right? She was like, there'd be like a kid, a kid, a kid, a kid. Yay, all right. And Peyton. Okay, good, right? And then so she comes to me and she had to choose between one or the other for summer. Swimming, which she's terrible at, or softball, which she gets knocked in the noggin with the ball. Which, Dad? And I go, well, I can't make up your mind for you. She goes, yeah, but now remember, I was five years sober when she was born, so she's gone to meetings with me since she was in the basket, right? She goes, every day she would go to meetings with me growing up. And she goes, yeah, but what does God want me to do? What's God's will in this? And I go, honey, I can't say, two things I can't say. I can't say God doesn't care, because he does. He even cares about that. The, the most minute things God cares about. But I can't tell her like a sponsee, I don't know, honey, go read page 102, right? And just make up a number, and then they go, oh, my God, how'd you know that that was the page that would fit me perfectly, right? I can't do that to her. So I just silently pray, God, you know, flow through me and tell, tell her what you want me to say. And what came out is I said, sweetheart, pick whatever you want. She goes, yeah, but God may want me out in the outfield because there may be a girl there that I need to be there to talk to her about some. She was putting that whole thing that we do that, you know, I need to save somebody's life. I need to have my hand ready to help someone. And God may want me out there. And if I go swimming, I won't be where God wants me. And so I told her, I said, look, do make whatever decision you'd like. And be willing to change if God says that's not the right one. And so she, she took swimming, and she was the worst. And so when she started to cry after one meet, telling me how bad she was, I thought, what would, what would, what's the best illustration of a father I could think of in pop culture? Gomez Adams. So I said, I said what Adams family dad would say. I go, yeah, but that gives you the, the most room for improvement. She goes, yeah, it does. And she used that thought to, to work her way up out of 20 kids to be about, I don't know, you know, eighth or ninth, something like that. But up, up past the halfway point, right? She did great. So right after that, I thought, great, I wanted to move to either Las Vegas or Miami. Where should I move? And I walked out into the yard of Port St. Loser where there are no porch lights and no street lights. And I looked up and I said, God, Give me, give me the sign. Tell me where I should move. Should I move to Miami and stay with my daughter? Or should I move to Las Vegas to work and I wouldn't get to see her but once a year? What should I do? Tell me and don't give me like some metaphor. You know me. We've been talking. I need the straight poop, man. 
talk to me straight, God. And, and I saw this shooting star. And not only did it shoot right across, but it like, and I know it's only the size of a pea and it looks huge in the atmosphere. And it came down, but like two blocks down, it hit asphalt and just... And I'd never seen one hit. And I was just moved because I had just yelled, God, please tell me. And my next thought was, so does that mean I should go to Miami or I shouldn't go to Miami, right? I have no idea. And then God said the same thing. He said, well, then do what you think I would have you. That's what the big book says. Do as you think I would have you, right? And then be willing to change if it's the wrong one. And that's what, that's what tradition too is all about. As we listen for the voice of God easily, quietly, and then we take action. And if it's wrong, God will let us know gently. And we don't take, we don't take offense to that. We easily pivot and go the other direction. And it's the easiest way to live life. And I'll see you next week. Sorry I was late. Doc, alcoholic. All right. Uh, thank you, Doc. That was spectacular. Um, now we have Ryan for the secretary's report. My name's Ryan. I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Um, we are not doing the uh, baskets or anything tonight, but if you'd like to make any contributions, uh, you can look up your uh, local intergroup. Um, feel free to make any contributions there. Um, and I've asked Chris to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what, it exact, what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured? That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. Page 23 of the big book. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Uh, 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back into his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Um, all right. Please join us Monday nights for our big book study meeting where the book comes alive. Uh, fellowship for that starts at 6.30, and then the big book study starts at 7.15. The Zoom starts at 6.45. Zoom room at 6.45. Uh, we have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. You can feel free to contact any home group member, um, and we can get those out to you, or um, contact. Yeah, or wait till we're open. Um, we meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you, and I'll see you next week. We have uh, tonight's session and all past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to join our Monday night big book study. Um, it'll be on Facebook and Zoom. And to those whom 
wish to thank the speaker tonight. Just, uh, I guess, send a little message. <laughs> um, let us close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory, Thirsty bodies aching. I am desperately in need of restoration. Yeah, and I am ready for you to take me higher. Yeah, the only thing that I can do is. I'm praying Cause on my own I just can't get you right It doesn't matter How hard I try But with you I become a much stronger man Getting on my knees Puts me back on my feet again Load is heavy Too much accumulation These possessions that I have Amount to nothing at all Just in my very 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
song is god bless i love you mike chase bye i think you know this one don't you
Thank you very much.